0: Thanks for listening to the Calvary Baptist Church podcast. For more information, check us out at cbctaylorville.com. Join us now as Pastor Steve delivers this week's message. What, what we've talked about for the last several weeks is sometimes over the summer or maybe just in life, you, you kind of get out of the habit of going to church and so forth. And so we just want to say now that fall start, welcome back. Some of you today is, a, you know, this has been a, a summer thing. Maybe some of it's been a long time since you've been in church. Maybe this is the first time for some of you, or at least in a very, very long time. I just want to say thank you. You're welcome here, and we're glad that you have joined us. And then some of you, I, I recognize those beautiful faces on a weekly basis, and I'm sure glad to see you too. So Oh, isn't that sweet? Yeah. I wasn't looking at you guys. What are you even talking? But anyway. So it is a great day, and we're just glad that you're here. And we really want to talk about this idea of a place to belong. And that's going to be the topic as we look at, at what happens today. It, let, me, let me start it this way. I think if we were to be honest, every one of us in this room at some point has found our place, in a, found ourselves in a place where we just, we just didn't really belong there. Okay, I want you to try to use your imagination. Maybe this, this, this picture will help you. You know, you're, you're, the, you're the orange among apples, right? You're just, you're in this kind of a place and it didn't, how many, from Sesame Street, remember that song? One of these things is not like the other, there we go. One of these things just doesn't, oh, that was just amazing, all right? <laughs> Okay, all right. That was kind of a sick song, if you think about it. The way they, they, but anyway, the whole point is this: sometimes things are just different. All right, things just don't fit in. Um, I remember, it, and it, it could be as simple as, you know, you you dressed up in a full adult Superman costume, I mean, tights and all, and went to a Halloween party, <laughs> and it wasn't a costume party, right? And you look around, and you go, one of these things just doesn't fit here, right? I, I remember when we moved to New York, we'd been pretty much Midwest people, Texas people, and then we, we took the big leap to New York. And literally, I, I mean, for the first four or five years we were there, it Almost invariably, every day, somebody say, you're not from around here, are you, buddy? I mean, it, we really, for some of the things, some of the way we look, some of the, we, we kind of stuck out in the crowd. The first wedding that we ever attended that I performed in New York, my, my beautiful wife was all excited about her first wedding. She went and she bought this beautiful pink dress, and she was just all ready for the wedding. But we didn't know that in New York, Italian weddings, the, the classic dress is black. Everybody wears black to a classic Italian wedding. So when I stood up to perform this wedding, I'm looking across the audience, and I'm scanning the crowd, and whoom, there's pink. (laughs) I mean, it was... I had to smile. I told her later. I said, one of these things just doesn't belong. I mean, that is the truth. Okay, you've all been there. At some point, there's been a place where you feel like, you know, I just, I don't belong here, right? Well, here's the truth that we want to talk about today. Everyone... Needs a place to belong. Every one of us at some point wants to have a place that fits like those good old jeans that just, they just fit, you know? Or maybe that comfortable chair that you have right in the living room that just, it just kind of soaks in your body. You want to belong. You want to have a place where you actually fit. Here's some sociological, sociological, that's tough for me to say. Here's some people who made this statement, all right? PhD Karen Hall makes this statement. Having a sense of belonging is a common experience. Belonging means acceptance as a member or a part. A sense of belonging is a human need, just like the need for food and shelter. Feeling that you belong is most important in seeing value in life and coping with intensely painful emotions. The importance of belonging. Another writer said it this way. He said, we were never made for for human beings to be in solitary creatures. We were made to survive in tribes. The point is this. We need to interact, and that's deeply ingrained in our genetic code. Now, that's modern science. But what I find interesting is God said that a long time ago. Genesis chapter 2, when we talk about the, the, the point of creation, we have this very interesting scenario. God in creation, Adam's on the scene, the Eve hasn't quite arrived yet, and God made this statement, and I quote Genesis 2.18, It is not good for man to be alone. His point was not not just because man would be lonely. I mean, the God was there. It's a point that he had created man for this interaction, this human experience. And for us to try to do that without that, we find something missing. We have a need for belonging. But what is sad is in our culture, America has been called, and I quote, a nation of strangers. They've called the time in which we live the age of Loneliness. Recent conservative studies have said that at least four out of every ten people experience intense feelings of loneliness. In our American culture, and I think this is a very interesting thought, where many of us more closely identify with a character on a reality TV show than we do with our neighbors. We even do with our families. I mean, even all of our social media, which some even say that almost exasperates the problem, because it, 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 you have a made-up person that you're connected to, and rather than a real person. But we all like to be liked, right? We like our, our posts to have a, a thumbs up. It, it's we want. We crave this interaction. Like, like this lady. all of us are hungering for community. Every week, this, this sweet elderly lady would go to the post office, and she'd wait in line for two stamps. Every week, this was a ritual. One day, when she went up to the window, the man said, Man, do you realize you don't have to stand in this line? You could go to that machine, and you can get a book of stamps, 20 stamps right there, and you wouldn't have to stand in this line. And she said, Yes, but the machine won't ask me about my arthritis. You see, we all have this desire, this longing. We want to belong. We want to know that, that we are included, that we're important. We don't even actually have in our language an opposite, an antonym for loneliness. Now, there are words that kind of adjust, but but if there were an, an opposite of loneliness, I believe the word would be belonging. It would be this idea of a place to truly belong. Chances are, every one of us in this room can relate to what I'm talking about in some way. You know somebody who wants to belong. And they show it in their actions, in the way that they, maybe it's a friend, a dear loved one, but maybe, just maybe, you're looking for a belonging place today. You're looking to know that you are important, that you are included, that you belong. What does it mean to belong? And that's what I want us to talk about today. We're going to be looking in the Bible at a verse, want to want you to read it with me in just a moment. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. If you're new with us on that connection card that Carlos pointed out, most of the verses are written on that card, as well as some fill ins if you want to. You'll see many of the verses on the screen, or if you have your Bibles or if you have an electronic device. Ephesians chapter 2, I want you to read this verse with me. And and it starts in verse 19. And and often I encourage people to memorize a verse. This would be the one I'd encourage you this week to put to memory, because you're going to see, I think, as we walk through this, just how powerful this verse can be for your life. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. Paul writes these words. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Now, that may not mean a lot yet, but I hope, I think it will before this is over, because there are some powerfully strong words that he's speaking in that verse, especially to the people that were hearing him. In that culture, these words, boy, this just carried so much meaning. Look at some of them again. He uses words foreigners, strangers. You, you could see, in, depending on your translation or how you would translate this, you'd use words like uh, aliens, uh, exiles, migrants. One word that was often translated is the word outsider you were outsiders. One of these things just doesn't belong here. That's where you were, he said. You were foreigners. You were outsiders to this idea of God. Even the word foreigner is kind of an interesting idea because it it literally means someone that dwells nearby, a, a resident foreigner, someone that's close, someone that's near, but really doesn't get to go all the way. Someone that you're, you have a casual hello to, but it's not a real connection. You're with foreigners, he said. You were here, you heard it, you had, but you, you weren't truly connected with it. Now, we all know, I'm not saying anything new, that our political culture has a lot to be said about foreigners and aliens and migrants. I mean, that's, that's top news right now. And that's all over, everything that you see in the press. Understand, Paul was not speaking about the political culture of the Roman government. He was using those words as an illustration of something bigger, about a spiritual relationship, about a relationship with God, about a heavenly understanding that deep down within us, this sense of belonging goes beyond the neighbors. It goes even to where we're going to be and what we're going to experience in this relationship with God, and that's the word that that he's using. Let me try to explain what's happening here. The Gentiles that he's writing to, and most of them were, and Gentiles is just simply someone who's not a Jew, all right? And the, the people in Ephesus predominantly were Gentiles. But he's speaking to these people, and they have accepted Christ. They're part of a church, but they're also part, and, and behind this culture was with the Jewish upbringing, and many of those who had been brought up in the Jewish culture, the Jewish way of life, they knew that they, 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 would, they would allow people to become Jews. You could become a Jewish proselyte, and you could become part and start to follow God, but you could only go so far. There were restrictions uh, foreigners were not allowed in certain parts of the temple and there were certain places they couldn't go and certain things they couldn't do. They were always, you always knew if you weren't a Jew, but even if you're trying to worship as a Jew, that you were a foreigner, you were an outsider. You could have it a part way, but you couldn't go all the way in. But what's sad is that that had also filtered into the church itself. And so now we have people that are mixed and they're following Christ, but we have some that are saying, yeah, 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 you're, you're okay, but you need to be a little more Jewish in your practice you need to be a little more jewish in the way you live because you're good but you're not quite far enough and that's where we find these people that 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 they find this this idea that being jewish was superior than being being a christian and see what paul's doing here is he's debunking that myth he's debunking the the fact that that you have to be and he's telling them you gentiles you too that you're no longer foreigners you're no you're not outsiders anymore There's something to change. You truly do belong, is what Paul is saying to these people. But I have a question. Let's just make this move 2,000 years. I wonder how many people step into a church like ours this morning and feel some of those same things. Now, Jew, Gentile, that's not a big issue. Most of you didn't even know what a Gentile was until I just defined it. So it's not a big issue. But there are other things. There are people who say, yeah, but if you knew who I was, if you knew what I've done, if you know where I've been, if you knew that I really didn't care about church, I don't even know if I believe in God. All these things, you and, and, and they have this feeling that the church, and, and the church can sometimes even become almost a gated community where we don't want to see people who have issues. This is, this is for those of you who have made, I, I don't know if any of you said this. But I've heard it a lot, and you may have said this when someone invited you to be here today. You said, yeah, but if I step through the doors, the, the building's going to fall in, right? It's going to crack." You don't have to raise your hand, but I know somebody in here has said that at some point. If I ever went to church, the, the, the building couldn't handle it. And, that, and they say that with a laugh, but I almost guarantee you, down deep, that's really how you might feel. I'm a mess. You don't want me there. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to mess everything up. You don't don't really, I, I think that would be great to belong, but I don't think that's ever possible that I could truly belong in a place like this. And that's what Paul's going to address. Paul's addressing the way that we can, all of us, have the opportunity to truly belong with God and in his family. Now, the key phrase to this, and if you back up a couple of verses, verse 13, there's four little words that I want you to make sure that you, you get. Verse 13 starts this way. Would you say these four words with me? Now in Christ Jesus. This is the kicker. This is the game changer right here. He's gonna we're gonna talk about how this all works in in a minute, but this makes all the difference. This isn't based on a human standard. You don't belong because of your accomplishments, you don't belong because you look right or you smell right or all the it has nothing now in Christ, that's the difference. Being in Christ gives the opportunity to belong, as God is going to describe it here in this passage in Ephesians. And that's what I want you to understand. It comes back to this, and we're going to, we're going to come back to this throughout the day because this is the key, to be in Christ. So let me, I'm going to share just two big thoughts with you today. I hope you'll remember them. Number one is this. In Christ, all of us have a place to belong. Through Christ, in Christ, there is a place to belong. Now let's let's dive into scripture a little bit. Back to our opening verse verse 19, he talks about that uh, the people, God's people, and then he refers to God's household. Now, what I want you to see is that that word household is used in another part of the New Testament. I want you to see how how big this is. In 1 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse 15, he says God's household. Now look at this, which is the what? The church of the living God. The household is equivalent to the church, the church of, of God. That's a, the, a church, a place to belong, right here. Ooh, that's a pretty bold claim, isn't it? That a group of people like us could be a place that people could belong to, that people could find this meaning. They could find it in this, in, in the place of this church. And that's what Paul said. He's going to what he's going to do now is he's going to use several metaphors, several pictures. Of the church, and he, does, he uses four of them in the book of Ephesians. So we're gonna look just real quickly. I wanna just jump through because I want you to see that he's trying to show you with these pictures of how much you can belong, what it would look like to belong. And the pictures he uses are all belonging pictures. It, it, look at it, first of all. He says this We belong, and here, the phrase that we use, we belong in God's kingdom. Notice what he says. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but look at that next phrase. But fellow citizens with God's people. Verse number 19. Your fellow citizens. Now here's what we know had happened. Some of those people in that church, they were followers of Christ, but they, if I can use a phrase you might understand, they felt like Christians with a green card. They felt like that they were part, they could be part of the kingdom, but they, they didn't have all the rights and privileges of a citizen. And people were making him think that. They, they thought that Christianity was just something you could only go so far. He's saying, listen, you are fellow citizens. You're no longer outsiders at all. You are completely with all the rights, all the privileges. You're not an alien peering through the fence now. You're a citizen of heaven. You're a citizen of God's people. You belong because of Jesus Christ. That's what he's trying to tell us. Peter says it with even, I think, even stronger words. First Peter chapter 2, he says, but you are chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Think about that. That's what God thinks of you. You're his special possession because of Christ. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You're not just citizen. You're special citizens. You're royal citizens. Because of Jesus Christ, you belong in his kingdom. Here's another metaphor he uses. We belong not only as a nation, as a kingdom, we belong in God's family. Wow, now that's a big belonging word. The idea of family, the idea, I love this translation, the NLT of this verse. You are citizens along with all God's holy people, you are members of God's family. If you're in Christ, you're a member of God's family. The idea of God having a family is throughout the whole Scripture. It just weaves its way through everything. In the Old Testament, it literally was blood relation. I mean, everyone that was born through Abraham and Jacob, there was this family. We know them as the nation of Israel and Judah, and that's the history. When we come to the New Testament, what we find is all those are in Christ. One of the the biggest metaphors throughout the New Testament is this idea of the family because they, they start calling each other brothers and sisters, they, they, they refer to God as their father. This idea of uh, when my son, in Sunday school one time, he came, somebody asked him how things were going, and he went to his, he went to his school the next day. And they said, what did, you, what did you learn? And he said, yesterday I was in Sunday school. I was in church. And they said, well, what did you learn in church? And, and he had, the teacher had been teaching him that, that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ and that mom and dad had been saved. And he told his teacher at school, he said, I found out yesterday my mom and dad are brother and sister. <laughs> we got some explaining to do. All right, we got to, got to explain some stuff. But but that's the truth. This family picture. It's, it's throughout this. We're brothers and sisters. We, have, we share a common blood relationship, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. We're family. We are part of the household of God. We belong there. And the Bible actually makes it clear that we're family twice in this way. He says that through Jesus Christ we are born into God's family. And then he also uses the image that we are adopted. Why did he use both? Because that just enforces it even more. We have all the rights and privileges as a child of God. As we sung this morning, I am a child of God. That's belonging. And that comes through Christ. Another metaphor he uses as you go through, we belong in God's house. If you keep reading in this Ephesians passage, verse 21, he says this, In him, that's Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Spirit. Please understand, the church is not the building. It's not the bricks and the mortar and the, and the eaves. The church is, you probably remember growing up, or right? I do remember the, the saying with their hands, here's the church, here's the steeple, open the door and see all the people, right? Here's the truth. Here's a building, it might have a steeple. You want to see the church, it is the people. Does that make sense? this is the church you are the church god's people we are the church but he gives this picture that as a church we're part of a a building We're part of a dwelling that God is making where he, but they they would recognize he's talking about the Old Testament. God said, I want you to make a tabernacle because I want to come dwell with my people. Well, now he's saying us as God's people, we are part of a a temple. We're part of a bigger picture. It's not just us four and no more. This picture of God building a temple to bring him glory where he is going to dwell. And each one of us as his people are part of that. We 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 are part of the construction of what God is doing to build his kingdom, to do his work here and around the world, God dwelling with us. You belong. You belong in God's country, his kingdom. You belong in God's family if you're in Christ. You belong in God's building. Let me give you this other image, and it starts in verse 22 of chapter 1 of Ephesians. And and in chapter 1, verse 22, uh, Paul is writing these words, and he talks about the church, and he said, God placed all things under him, and he pointed him to be the head over everything for the church. And then notice the next phrase, which is his body. Now, that becomes the fourth image that Paul uses about why we belong, because we belong in Christ's body. He uses an image that all of us are familiar with because we live with it. We live with a body. We understand how this, we may not understand how it works, but we do understand how it works. We understand that each piece is connected. Each piece is unique. Each part has a purpose. Each part has, they work together, do some amazing things. And when one part's not working, the other parts suffer. When all the parts are working together, things go well. We understand the picture. And he says, as in Christ, you're part of that. You are in Christ's body. You have this amazing opportunity to truly belong as a part of Christ's body. In fact, Romans 12, he says this, In Christ, though many, we form one body. And each member, look at this, belongs to all the others. We belong not only to Christ, but if you're in Christ, you belong to the other believers. We belong, to, we belong because of what Jesus did for us. In Christ, we belong. What he's saying is lone ranger Christians are not Biblical. To do this Christian thing on your own, say, I don't really need church. God says, yes, you do. You belong to a family. You belong in his building. You belong in his body. There's a reason for you. There's a place for you to belong. All right, so let's go back. Let's just think about those four things again. We belong in God's kingdom. We belong in God's family. We belong in God's house. We belong in Christ's body. God has made it possible to his son, to be a citizen of his country. He's made it possible through Jesus to be a member of his family, and we're, we're part of his body, we're where he lives. Now, that all sounds good in theory. It, it makes for good spiritual. That's a great way to preach, but is it practical? Is this real? Do we, can we really? This, yeah, preacher, that's good. We can belong, but do we really believe that? Are we able to practice that? Is this really true? What if we could find a community where, where you were included not because of, of, just because of who you are? Is that possible? Is it possible you could find truly a place where where you truly belong? God has provided this place, a kingdom, a family, a house, a body, and all of those words refer to his church. And God wants us to understand that in this, in this truth, God has, has started a place. But let's keep that in mind, all right? If the church is a place where people can belong, that's a huge claim. But according to God's design, that's exactly what he's made us as a, as a citizen. So we have rights and privileges, and we have this, this, this loyalty. We're, we're a body where we work together, and we have camaraderie. We're a building where, where each of us has, a, has an important place to fill. We, we are a family, and we have, this, we have brothers and sisters. He said, this is where it can happen. This is what it can be. But there's a problem. Maybe you've already determined that. Because each one of those pictures, But you go back to the screen, I want you to see those words again. And each one of those words, each one of those carries maybe some baggage. All of us know that countries and kingdoms have issues, do they not? And they're definitely far from perfect. When you look at the idea of being in a family, some of us will say yay some of us will say not so much families may not have a good impression to all of us the idea of father brothers and sisters that, some of those or you, god's house well we know what houses bring right have to be maintained sometimes there'll be a crack here and there talk about a body well need i say more all of us have some issues in our bodies right at one point they were working on all eight cylinders now i'm hitting about five and a half right am i, am I you understand what i'm saying we know body. So all of these words carry baggage. Let's be honest. Some of you have tried the church thing before. Didn't work so good. Because you found that in this body where we're supposed to belong, pff, boy, it's not perfect. In fact, it's got some, some, some real issues. In fact, some of you probably said, I can't believe that kind of stuff happened in church. I'm glad you came back today. Because I want to tell you something. I believe Calvary Baptist is a place where you can belong. But let me say without hesitation, we are not a perfect church. Never have been. Never will be. It's not because we don't serve a perfect Savior. I mean, he's saved us, and he's done great things, and he has continued to change us. But it's also full of of some imperfect people. Y'all can say amen to that, but you don't have to, okay? (laughs) We fall short a lot. We're not a perfect, we, we, that's where we're going for, and that's where we're growing to be, and we are becoming that more and more every day, but every day we fall short in that. So if you're looking for the perfect church, then you're going to have to keep moving, but I promise you this, we are a church that's growing that direction. Let me talk to Calvary people just for a moment, just make sure, just, to, so if you're visiting here, you can just kind of tune out, you can check your emails or something for a minute, because I want you just the Calvary people, do you realize how important it is that we are working towards this? Because we're going to have guests that come in this place looking for a place to belong. And they're going to need to see people who are trying their best, not perfectly, but trying their best to love. Trying their best to love each other. Trying our best to forgive, to be patient with the other imperfect people sitting around you. To be patient, to be forgiving, to be more concerned about the, the needs of others than we are about ourselves. Do you see, church, how important it is that we're striving for this? This is, Church is a place where people are to belong, but we have to make sure that we're doing everything we can to make it the place that God wants it to be. Calvary, this is what we're called to be. We're a place to belong. And every person that walks by our doors, every person that walks in our doors, every person that hears our name in this community ought to say, you know, they're not perfect down there, but I think there's a place I could belong at Calvary. Okay, everybody can tune back in for a moment because that's, that's so important that we understand that's what God has designed the church to be. But as we wrap this up, I want to talk about something, and that's the reality of belonging. Because I talked about how important, and I think all of us understand that's great, that's what we want, that's what we need. But Paul makes something very clear about the reality of what this belonging is where this starts from and where it goes to. And I take you back to our opening verse, verse 19 again. I want you to see something he says. He says, you are, say those two words with me, no longer foreigners and strangers. From that very beginning, he says something. He says, you are not now outsiders. That's good. You're not, you're not outsiders now, but the idea is you were. At one point, you were aliens, <laughs> At one point, you were outsiders to God's kingdom. There is a point in your life when you did not belong in a relationship with God. This reality of belonging, we have to make sure we understand this truth. Earlier in the chapter, here's what he said. A couple of verses before, verse 11, Paul says this. Therefore, remember that formerly or previously... He said to you, you were, and then look at some of the words he uses. You were separate from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in this world. Wow. He's, now we're talking powerful words. Yes, you're not just outsiders. He says you're separate from Christ. You're excluded. You can't even come in. And then he uses two huge terms. He says you're without hope and you're without God. Now, that, those two words in English, without God, is one word in the Greek. It's the word atheos. Sound familiar? It's where we get our English word atheist from. He says, by practice, at one point, you were without God, thus you were without hope. Here's what you've got to understand about this whole belonging thing. Paul is going to help them feel very confident that they belong in, in Jesus, with all, in Christ, all these things, that his country, his family, it all belongs. But you've got to remember, it's not always been that way. At some point, we have to come to the realization and the expectation. Every one of us has to come to grips with the fact that, yes, God has a place for us to be- belong, but we're not, we weren't born in that place. We didn't start out that way. In fact, completely opposite of that. And that's what Paul is going to describe in these next passages is, is that, that we, we started off in a, in a place not in belonging. A lot of people struggle with this, and I, I want to hope I can illustrate it. I asked Josh if he would come and help me with something. I want to illustrate this as best I can, what this, what this belonging thing and why we as people sometimes, we struggle with this idea. And, and I want to use, and, and Josh is going to use, set this up, thank you, sir, because I want you to think about this. And we're going to call this the ladder of morality. Okay, Because a lot of people struggle based on what we're going to describe here in this, in this ladder of morality. Here's what I know. If I were to survey people, and I've done this, I've asked this question. If I were to ask several of you in this room this very question, here's the, here's the question. Do you know today that you would go to heaven if you were to die? Very simple question. Here would be the most popular answer I would receive. And, I, and this is probably eight, nine times out of ten, this is what I hear. I hope so. I have tried to be good enough to get to heaven, and I hope that that will work out for me. In some form or fashion, that becomes the answer. Now, if that would be your answer right now, you're in really good company because statistics show us that 80% of Americans would answer that way. I hope I have been good enough. Let's refer to that as good person theology. The idea is kind of the, the, the kind of the picture is we, we see this thing of going to heaven is kind of like there's this invisible ladder leaned up against the wall from us to heaven, right? And, and the, we, we're trying to do good, and so the, the more good we do, the higher up the ladder we get. And so we hope that someday that in doing the good that we're eventually going to do enough more good than bad. Eventually, that's what we hope, so that someday we're close enough to the top that when we die we can hop into heaven, Right? Now, that's, that's what we're thinking. With good person theology, that, that's the picture that, that we're using. Let's see if I can add some words to it to make this ladder even come alive. We, we know that uh, up at the top, when we talk about good, all right, we talk about good, we're, using, we're thinking of the word heaven. Okay, and we think, all right, that's, that's, the, go- that's the goal. We're going to heaven, and that's, we're going to be good enough, hopefully, to get there. Down at the bottom, that's, that's the bad place. We all, we all would recognize that as, okay, that's where we don't want to be. That's, that's where, okay, th- and that's the goal. And We're trying to make it up this ladder. So here's what we do. Some of us have already in this place. You already have some names of people that are in one of those two places. Don't tell me if they're down low, okay? You just keep that to yourself, especially if they're in the room, okay? Let's not go there. But let's, let's think of some people, and, and when I think of that, people that we have put in that place, here are some names that I know just kind of hop out, okay? You could think of some others, but here are some. Adolf Hitler, okay? Bad. We always think of him at the bottom. Uh, Osama bin Laden, all right? I think all of us would agree, bad, okay? Tom Brady, okay? I don't know. How did that get in there, Okay. He, Quarterback for the Patriots, in case you're missing it. I don't know how that got in there, but he's in there. Okay, bad. Okay, bottom of the barrel. Okay? All right, now top. Here are some other names we would use. Okay? Many people would use a name like Mother Teresa, selflessly serving the, the lepers in those colonies. Many people in this room would use the name Billy Graham and all that he's done. Some people would use the name like Martin Luther King Jr. Okay? And, th- and these are just opinions. I get this, but understand, that's kind of where we would see the spectrum. Okay, the good, and that's where we're, and the and ultimate of the bad, but here's the question. Where am I? If I'm, a, if I'm taking good person theology, where am I on that ladder? I, I don't meet here, and definitely, oh, I'm not down there. Okay, I'm better than that, but I'm not that good, right? So most of us in this good person theology are going to put ourselves somewhere, somewhere in here, or at least that's what we hope. So now the question comes, question comes, so where is the line of goodness? And all of us, if we're, if we're buying into theology, would place the line somewhere below here because our hope is that somehow I've, I'm doing good enough. I'm going to get there. And, and we've, got this, we've got this line drawn of, of, of us, and we're hoping that that line is good enough and that we're going to be good enough. To, to, to get into heaven. Now, that's a, that's a common theology. That's what many people, whether they say it or not, we're going to buy into it. I think many of us, even in this room, might have some smacks of that kind of thinking that I'm hoping that I'm going to be good enough to get there. I'm not there. They, they, they just have to step into heaven. I'm going to have to jump, but at least I'm close enough. That, that may be ultimately what we're, what we're saying. But I, I want you to think of some things, as Paul is saying. There's, there's a, some issues with that we we think i think i'm going to be good enough but every night we go to bed with this little nagging thought what if i'm not what if that lines wrong what if i'm not good enough you see we have no assurance based on this theology if we're going to make the cut in fact, Paul even makes it more clear. Let's go back to our verse, Ephesians 2. If you go to verse number 1 of that chapter, here's how clear he makes it. As for you, he said, remember, this is where you were. You were dead. You were spiritually lifeless. You were spirit. The word dead means separated. You were separated in your transgressions and sins. All of us, he says, have lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. He said all of us have been there at some point that we, we, we're trying to do good enough. But here's, the, here's what he's trying to say. There, there's two big problems with this, this morality ladder, this theology of goodness. One is that the line, there's no standard. You ask, where is the line? Where is it, where is it good enough? Well, the answer is going to depend on who you talk to. Some people are going to say, well, certain things are allowable. Some, no, you've got to be. And so the line, we don't know where the line, you don't know based on our own theology. It depends on your opinion. The second problem with this ladder is the Bible makes it clear. Please don't miss this. The Bible makes it clear. None of us deserve to go to heaven. None of us are good enough to go to heaven. And that's Paul's point. You were dead. Not only are you not good enough, you didn't have an opportunity. You were dead. You were lifeless. You were separated from God. At some point, we all have to own that truth. You have to come to realization that no matter how good you think you've been or how many times you've been in church or all the good things you've done, you're never going to be good enough. Do you realize that even these people we put up at the top, and I don't know their spiritual condition. I don't know if they'll be in heaven. That's between them and God. But understand this. If those three people will be in heaven, it's not because of how good they were. Please understand that. It's not because of how good they were. It has nothing to do with their goodness. If they, make it, if, they, if they are in heaven, it has nothing to do with that because there's not one of us in this room who is good enough to get to heaven. That's the Bible truth. But here's the good news. The scandal of the gospel is that even though none of us are good enough to get there, God, by his grace, has made it possible that we can have a relationship with him, that we can go to heaven. You can't earn it, but God has provided it. In fact, if you keep reading in the next verse, verse 4 of Ephesians 2, but because of his great love for us, God, who in his rich, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. Why is that important? Because remember the verse we just read, you were dead. But now, through Christ, he made us alive, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. God's grace, here's what we got to do. Folks, please understand, at some point, you got to take this ladder out of the picture. You will never be good enough to get to heaven. You cannot be good enough to get to heaven. You will never work. And if you're trusting in that, you're missing it. You're trusting in the wrong thing. But God, who is rich in mercy and love, made a way for you to have a relationship with him, for you to truly belong. Here's the truth of the gospel. It doesn't matter. Your past has no bearing on whether you can get to heaven or not. Your past doesn't make any difference because your past, when forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, is no longer remembered. Your past, whether it was good by your standards, noble or awful, has no bearing on whether you get to heaven or not. It's what happens with your relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Listen to how Paul says it. Here's how he describes it. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. The fact that Jesus died on a cross for your sins. He was buried and he rose again in third, the third day. That is what allows us to have a relationship, to belong. And here's how he describes it. Verse number um, 13 through 18, he says this. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were, look at this, far away You were outsiders. One of these things just doesn't belong here. It was you. You didn't belong. You were far away. But you have been brought near by the blood of Christ, by what Jesus did. You have been brought through his his sacrifice. You have the opportunity to be brought to him. And verse 18 says, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. We can walk into the throne of God because of Jesus Christ not because of anything good we've done, that doesn't work, but because of what Jesus did on the cross. Here's what I want you to understand. We've been talking all morning. God has a place where you can belong. But the only way that that is affected in our life is when we realize what, other, what else Jesus did, what it means to be in Christ. Because in Christ, we not only have a place to belong, but Christ has given us a place to believe. We have a place through Jesus Christ for this to change. Please understand, please don't walk out of here saying, well, if I am in church, then I'm in Christ. No, 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 You don't become a member of a church and that puts you in Christ. You are in Christ through what Jesus did on the cross and receive his gift of salvation. And then he says, and I put you in a body. Once you're in me, you're in, here's how he says it in, in Ephesians chapter, or excuse me, Romans chapter three. We are made right with God. And notice this, by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. Faith, you have a place through Christ through what he did on the cross to believe. And that believing makes you right with God. And it brings you to him who you were once. Remember, you were once separate. You were once without. You say, oh, I was never an atheist. I always believed in God. God says, but before Christ, you are considered without God. You're considered atheists." without Christ. But in Christ, he brings you to him. No matter who you are, what you've done by faith in Jesus Christ. Here's what we read in Ephesians chapter 2, just a few verses before. It is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, lest any of us would boast. It's not through any ladder. It's not through anything you've done. It's not through your church attendance. It is by grace through believing in Jesus, through faith. That gives us the opportunity to know him now and forever. And in, in case that you haven't understood it, the gift, it means it, it's not something you work for, but it is something you have to receive. It's a gift that, that you have to accept. You have to receive him. But in Galatians chapter 3, just to kind of summarize, you want to find a place to belong, look how he put it. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. And there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave, free. There's neither male or female. We're all one in Christ. And I love this last part. And if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. If you belong to Jesus, then all we've talked about, you belong here. You belong in God's family. You belong in God's building. If you belong to Jesus. You belong in God's kingdom. You belong in God's body. God's house, if you belong to Jesus. My question is very simple. Have you received the gift of eternal life? Has there been a point in your life when you realized, I cannot work my way to heaven. I'm a sinner and I'm separate from God, but I believe Jesus died and rose for me. Have you received that gift? It's not just believing by saying, oh, I believe it happened. Have you believed by incorporating it, by receiving it, by saying, Jesus, I trust you to repent and to follow you with my life. Paul put it in very simple words, Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And he goes on to say, just to make sure you get it, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I present to you today a place to belong. And that place to belong becomes a place in a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. You're not going to work at it. Don't have the chance. But Jesus made a way if you receive his gift. If you accept his salvation and you you invite him, you say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Come into my life. I repent and I follow you. Confess with your mouth, believing that he died and rose again from you. Everyone who calls will be saved. Have you received that gift? A place to belong. Some of you, maybe you remember that place. You, you remember being a follower of God and yet there's been a time that you kind of got out of the places he's given you to belong. And today you've been reminded that, that there is a place. It's not a perfect place and, and you become a part of this church and not, it's not a perfect church But it, it, and, and trust me, if you join it, it gets even less perfect. That's just the way it happens, right? But you come and you become a place. Here's what I would encourage you. Calvary may not be the place for you, but if you're a follower of Christ, you need a place to belong. Find a Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church and, and become a part. Be, let yourself be a part of that. Calvary, let, if you're a part of this church, then don't just come on Sunday. This is a place for us to belong to connect, to serve, to, to serve our community, to serve our church, to work together. Maybe this is a place for, for you to belong or maybe as Calvary, it's a place for you to say, God, thank you for my place to belong, to help me to belong the way I've been called to. A place to belong. What does that say to you today? Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our heads bowed and our eyes closed. A place to belong. I hope this this has been very clear that God has a place for you. He wants, he desires for you to know him, to have a relationship with him, and a relationship that will last for eternity, a true place to belong now and forever. Do you know that place? If I were to ask you that question, if you were to die today, do, where do you know you'd go to heaven? Would your answer be yes, because I, I, I know Christ. He's my savior. I've, I'm a follower. I, there was a day when I received his gift. Would, you get, would your answer probably be, I, I really hope so. I'm really working at it. And please understand that the only help you have now in this belonging is by receiving the gift of Jesus Christ, admitting that you're a sinner and receiving, repenting of your sin, saying, God, I follow, follow your son. Have you done that? If you haven't, then, then today, what a great day to do so even right now in the quietness of this moment, I want to challenge you if God is speaking to your heart, to speak out to him and just to say, God, I get this. That's what I, I want to belong in your family. I want to belong and I, I believe that this is what you've called me to do. So from your heart, pray, God, I'm a sinner and I believe it, I understand it. I'm separate from you and I don't have a way to earn my way to heaven, but God, I believe Jesus died and rose from me. So today, I just turn my life to you. I just repent of my sinfulness, and I follow you in my life. Call out to God now and say, God, forgive me of my sins. I want to follow Jesus. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you do that today? Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. I repent of where I've been, and I follow you. Would you just repent and follow him today? Our eyes are, eyes are closed. Let me just now ask a question. How many would, Is there anyone in this room would say, Pastor, that's, that's who you're talking to me today. That's what I need is I need to receive Jesus. Or right now I just prayed and I accepted Jesus as my Savior. Is there anyone like that in that audience today? If so, would you just either look up or both or lift your hand and just let me know that today this is your day. I believe in Jesus today and I've accepted him as my Savior. Cross this audience. Praise Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Now, followers of Christ, we got a place to belong. Let's not take that for granted. Let's do what we can to connect and to belong here, but to make others know that they belong here. Do what we can to make this the place of belonging God has intended it to be. Let me pray for us all this morning. Father, thank you for what you've said in our hearts what you've shown us, and I pray that this is not just something that will stay here in this service, but it will change our lives starting today. Lord, that you would truly be working in the hearts of people, that craving to belong. It's there. Help them to know that it starts to be answered when they receive you and they know you. May this be that day. And then for us as followers, let us be a group of people who make people belong who let people know that they're welcome here with with the family of God.